So what's the, dif- what's the difference between your faith that overcomes the world and their faith? Well, we're talking about the faith of the Bible. What is faith according to the faith of the Bible? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What does that mean? Some people say, well, faith is, faith is, you know, I can't prove it, but I believe it. Faith is something that we just can't, we just can't prove. We can't know for sure from the standpoint that we can prove it, but, but we accept it. Well, that's not what the Bible, the Bible gives us a definition of faith. Faith is the substance of the things that we hope for. Or the assurance of the things that we're hoping for. That word substance or assurance, if you have the assurance, what does that mean? That means we have the confidence. Why do we have confidence that we're going to be able to receive the hope of heaven? And rather than when we use the word hope in the way that God uses it, we're not talking about, you know, if I were to ask you, if you died today, are you going to heaven? Would you say, well, I hope so? Or would you say... I have the hope of heaven. There is a difference. You see, to have the hope of heaven means to expect with confidence. And so it is faith is the substance of things that we expect with confidence. So how is it that we can have the confidence that we're going to go to heaven? Based upon evidence. Now, can we see God with our naked eye? No, we cannot. Can we take someone and prove to them that there is a God by being able to see, smell, touch, hear, taste? Use our five senses. Can we, we can't use any of our five senses when it comes to God directly and specifically. But when we look at the evidence of God's universe and the complexity of his creation, including us, then we have evidence that beyond a shadow of a doubt, it takes... You know, when I was in school, I would go to English class and we would read stories about a woman who would kiss a frog and it would turn into a prince. And they called that a fairy tale. But then I, the bell would ring and we'd go to the biology class and we'd talk about a frog turning into a man and we called that science. I was so confused. Is this science or is it a fairy tale? Well, we know when we go to God's Word that we have evidence that tells us that God created. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. God's creation tells us that God exists. So we, as Christians, we live the way that we do because of our faith, because of what we know that we have confidence in and this knowledge that we have confidence in is based upon evidence that gives us the confidence that we're going to go to heaven because of our faith. 
And if we had, we, without that faith, brethren, we can't go to heaven. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, for it is impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please him or God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you want to go to heaven, you've got to have faith, the faith of the Bible. You've got to have the faith that God exists and Jesus is his son, and we're going to be looking at detail more of that through this week, Lord willing. But it's more than just believing in God. You know, there's a lot of people who believe in God. The denominational world as a whole have the same faith when it comes to believing in God. But there's, as we extend our faith out in the understanding and the definition, faith is also believing in the promises of God. Look at Matthew chapter 6 with me. In Matthew chapter 6, we're going to begin verse 25 here in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to a stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Isn't it interesting that he threw that in there right there as he's talking about Clothing and food and birds and grass. and We're having a nice little talk and all of a sudden he looks at me and he says, Oh, you of little faith. As you read through that and you're thinking about, yes, the birds and the grass. If Jesus were having this conversation with you, is it possible that he would pause right there and say, Oh, you... Of little faith. Well, let's continue. Verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You ever sat and wrung your hands? I oh, don't want to admit it. But what was it that we were we were so concerned about? Have you ever been in a situation where you just you felt overwhelmed? You thought, oh, how are we going to make it through this? I just don't see any light at the end of this tunnel. And how many times have you been in that position and you got through it? How many times? You know, what is it they say that we, we worry 
90% of what we worry about are things that will never happen or things we have no control over. If they're not going to happen, we have no control over them and we're spending so much time. And yet, basic things that Jesus is talking about here, food and clothing, clothing. Well, you know, I need to worry about that. I need to make sure that my family has clothing. I need to make sure that my family has food on the table. You know, I need to make sure. I mean, God says, man doesn't work, neither should he eat, so I've got to make sure I'm out there working. And so, got to be concerned. We teach our children <laughs> in dealing with them. Let's, let's, let's think of it this way. One night, you put Johnny to bed, little boy, you're sitting there talking with your wife, your husband talking back and forth, and suddenly you hear Johnny crying. Johnny comes running into the kitchen. What is it, Johnny? What's the problem? There's a booger man in my closet. Oh, Johnny, there's not a booger man. There is. There's a booger man in my closet. And so you walk in there with him, turn the light on and open the closet. Look, see, there's nothing in here. Besides, we trust in God in our family. Jesus loves us. Let's sit down. Let's sing Jesus loves me together. And so you sit there with Johnny and you sing Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. You sing in little Johnny. He feels all better now. He's all calmed down. And he's thinking about the fact that he, he doesn't have to worry about the booger man because Jesus loves him. He goes to sleep. Then we go back in there and we sit down and we start talking together as husband and wife. You know, down at the plant, they're starting to lay people off. And they're talking about more layoffs. And, you know, I just don't know if that's going to affect us or not. It's going to affect my department, whether I could keep my job or lose it. You know, George down the road here, he's two years younger than me. He had a heart attack. What would happen to us if, if, some, if, if I had a heart attack? And, 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 and you just start talking about how, what are we going to do? How are we going to make it? About that time, that's when Johnny needs to come back in and say, Daddy, Mommy, doesn't Jesus love you too? Are you afraid of what's going to happen to you? Sing with me, Mommy. Sing with me, Daddy. Jesus loves me. This, I, yeah, I think maybe that's... You say, oh, that's too simple. How complex was this that Jesus just talked about? You worried about what you're going to have to eat? Well, look at the birds. Do they worry? Jesus compared us to the birds. Do the birds worry about where their meal is going to come from? No. And he says, why are you going to worry about your meal if you're putting God first? Are you not more important to God than birds? And he takes care of them. Look at the grass of the field. How beautiful it is. You worried about your clothing, where you're going to, where it's going to come from, so that you can be protected from the elements? Are you not more important than grass and flowers? Oh, ye of little faith. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? 
what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Well, you know, I don't worry about that as long as I'm healthy and have a job and there's money in the bank. Do you? What about when you get sick and you lose your job and you have drained the bank account? God is good. Why is he so good? Oh, look at how life is. Rain came through last night and watered my crops. You know, going to be a good crop this year. The guy next door says, oh, that storm was horrible. Blew down my barn. The hell destroyed my crops. Is God still good? Oh, ye of little faith. Verse 33, though. But seek first the kingdom of God. Keep God first and all these things. What things? These things he's been talking about, the physical things. Keep God first and these things will be added to you. I'm afraid that from the time that our young people are old enough to start working outside the home, getting jobs, and I can remember when I hit that age, my dad says to me, Timothy, how would you like to have a car? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to have a car. He said, get a job. I was playing, I was playing baseball at the time. I love to play baseball. But he said, you want a car? I quit playing baseball and went to work. Somebody said, well, that doesn't sound good. Well, I enjoyed my car. A lot more than I did out there playing baseball. It was a choice that I made. But we teach our children you need to get a job. Now, <laughs> what do we do in our family? We put God first. We put God first because, you see, we walk by faith in this family. We believe in the God of the Bible. We believe in his promises that if we put him first, he is going to take care of our needs. Oh, you've got a homework project due tomorrow? Well, you better stay home from Bible study tonight to take care of that project that you knew, you knew was due for three, the last three weeks and you haven't worked on yet. Oh, you... you uh, well, you know, you're on the ball team and you've made a commitment once you became part of that organization, the band, the ball, the, the, the ball team or the club or what. You made a commitment and that, that event is going to take place during the worship service on a Sunday or, or a Bible study on Wednesday. You know, you made your commitment. So, But in this family, we put God first. God knows where your heart is. Yeah, he knows where it is. O oh, ye of little faith. That's what Jesus is saying. I've had grown-ups say, oh, I need a job. And, and God opened the door and gave me a job. Well, what's the job? Well, it's, I'm gonna have, I won't be able to be at services, but maybe once a month, if that. But thank God he gave me this opportunity to be able to take care of my family. I needed this job so badly. Brethren, the devil opens up doors of opportunity. We say, well, God wants me to take care of my family. Yeah, and the devil wants you to take you further away from God. 
Sometimes he does, he does that through people business. You remember the shepherd who lost the sheep in Luke chapter 15? He lost one of them. Why did that sheep get lost? They just wake up one morning and say, you know what, I don't like these other sheep. I'm going to run away today. These sheep stink. I don't like my shepherd. I'm going to run away from my shepherd. You think that's what happened one day? No, that's not how a sheep thinks. What he did was he just got busy taking care of sheep business. Well, what sheep do? Well, there's some grass. I think I'll eat it. So he's eating this grass. Well, that looks pretty good over there. So down the hill and up the hill and down the hill and up the hill and down the valley. He's just taking care of sheep business. He's not doing anything wrong in and of itself. He's just doing what sheep do. He got distracted from paying attention to where the other sheep were and where the shepherd was because he was just doing what sheep do. And then he looks up and goes, where'd everybody go? He didn't want to be lost, but he's lost. Well, brethren, sometimes that happens to sheep in the church. It's not that in and of itself we're involved in things that are wrong in and of themselves. But we get so distracted with just taking care of people, business. See, most of my brethren don't wake up that, that become unfaithful. They don't wake up one morning and say, you know what, start day, I'm not going to pray anymore. No, it's just something they just slowly slide into because of their schedule. They're busy. Most of my brethren that become unfaithful and aren't attending the worship services anymore, it's not because they wake up one morning and say, certain day I'm not going to go to church anymore. No, they just got busy with things that needed to be done to take care of people business. And one day they look up and they say, where'd everybody go? Where's my church family? Where's my shepherd? Brethren, that doesn't happen if we make decisions that show that we're walking by faith. That we're seeking the kingdom first. What would happen... If when we went in and we taught our children, when you go and you apply for a job, you tell these folks that you will not work. You will not work if it causes you to miss a service on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night. I will not work for you during these times. But I'll work any other time, and I can assure you that while I'm here and I'm working, you won't have anybody that will work harder than me. You will not give. I will give you 110% to be the kind of employee that will make you proud. How many employees do you think are going to go, oh, oh, God, we don't want your kind around here? Most of them find that to be something that's admirable, saying, mm, we need some honesty and integrity around here. That's the kind of person I'm probably not going to have to worry too much about when it comes to things disappearing and not being the kind of worker that's going to take advantage of me. What would happen if our grown-ups, when they went in, grown-ups applied for a job, you know, to take care of our families, and we said, I will not miss worship services 
or Bible study. My God comes first. But when I am not involved with God's worship and Bible study, you can expect 110% out of me. You will not have anybody that will work harder and do more to try to make this company successful than me. I can promise you that. But what is it that happens so many times? Well, I need a job, and I'm certainly not going to start giving them requirements and restrictions as to when I can be there. I need this job. And the devil will open that door up for you to walk right into it and to go further away from God. Is God not strong enough to be able to provide you and us, all of us, with an opportunity to work where we can keep him first? Well, I need this job and I don't have any other opportunities right now. And God doesn't care. Is that what you're saying? Is that what we're saying? But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all this stuff, God will take care of. Do we believe it? Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith. Maybe it is, the fact is that we need to strengthen our faith. Where's faith come from? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The word of God. So if we're having trouble with our faith, what can we do to strengthen it? If faith comes from hearing God's word, then the only way we're going to strengthen our faith is to spend more time in God's word. There is where lies the problem for many. I believe in God. And yet, I don't even know what God has promised me. I believe in God, and yet I don't even know what he expects out of me. Why not? Because this book is so thick. You know how long it would take for me to sit and read this book? Uh, Any of you ever read a book more than once? Uh Mm-hmm. I imagine most of you here that are readers, we all ought to be readers, have read books thicker than this one. Our children have read books thicker than this one. You ever heard of Harry Potter? How thick that book is. I'm not saying I like it or don't like it. I'm just saying people read what they want to read. It's not a matter how thick it is. It's a matter of whether they want to read it. You know, what I've learned about the Bible is the more that I read it, the thinner it becomes to me in my mind. And being able to think about the divisions of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and talking about and, 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 and being able to look at how creation and then going into how things progress through time, the nature of God that we see, the prophecies about the Messiah coming and the things that took place during that time leading up to his birth. And then we get over into the New Testament. We learn about the birth of Jesus and then the life of Christ and then the writings of the gospel after the establishment of the church. You know, it just 
Instead of just looking at it like, oh, that's such a thick book. You know, there's divisions in here where you go, oh, I know what that's talking about. Do we know what it's talking about? There was a man that came to Jesus and said, I've got a child that's sick. I want you to heal them for me. And Jesus said, oh, it's possible if you, if you believe. And the man said, I believe. And I think probably most of us would fit in that same category, but maybe we need to say the same thing and pray the same thing when he replied, but help my unbelief. Well, God will help our unbelief, but he's told us how he'll help us. He's not just going to open up our head, put a funnel in it, and just start pouring God's word, knowledge, into our head. But he's given us his word. Have you ever prayed, God, bless my memory when it comes especially to your word so that I can remember what it says? You pray for that? If not, why not? God bless me with wisdom so that as I learn your word, I know how to apply it to my life and being able to help others. If not, why not? Do you walk by faith? Is faith the victory in your life? Because the faith that we read about in the Bible tells us how to be saved and uh, tells us how our faith can be stronger. You know, the world tells you that believing in this book, believing in the God that you can't see is, is just dumb. It's stupidity, it's foolishness to the world. First Corinthians one twenty one. it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. We are saved by the word, by obedience. To that word. Now who are we listening to? Are we listening to God who says, I'll save you if you obey me? Or are we listening to the world who says, I can't believe you believe that stuff. And did we truly believe? It reminds me of the man who's up on the roof and he's roofing and he's on a very steep angle. And he lost his footing and started to slide. And he knew if he slid off that roof that he pretty much going to die. And so he shouts out a prayer as he's sliding down, Help me, Lord! About that time, his pants snagged on a nail that's sticking up. Oh, that's all right, Lord, this nail caught me. Are we expecting God to reach down and just... Would we have faith if that's what it was? It's like the man that fell off the cliff. He's hanging by a limb. And he's hollering, help, help, somebody help me. And he hears a voice, I'll help you. Well, who is that? Where are you? Well, it's God. Well, help me, God. Let go. Do what? Just let go. Is there anybody else up there? Sometimes maybe it seems like that. Because you see, the wisdom of the world says it doesn't make any sense. 
not to take that job, even though I'm not going to be able to draw closer to God through the schedule. It doesn't make sense to be kind to my enemy after the way that he treated me. It doesn't make any sense to trust and to have peace when there's chaos all around me. It doesn't make any sense, that is, if you're listening to the world. First Peter 5, verse 6 and 7, Peter said, Cast your care upon him. Why is it that when the world is in chaos, that we as God's children should stand out? When they look at us and say, you know, you're in the same boat that we're in. Why are you not in a panic? And we're going to be talking about panicking in a storm in a boat, Lord willing, here in just a few minutes. Why are you not all upset? Because I've got a peace that passes understanding. Your understanding and sometimes my understanding. Where does this peace come from? Brethren, it comes from faith. So, the question to ask ourselves this morning, talk about faith and the Bible, whether we have the faith of the Bible, How's your peace? Are you dealing with turmoil right now? What is it that's got you all worked up? Somebody's sick. Somebody's been given the sentence of a death sentence because of the illness that they have. Job has been lost. A relationship has been broken. These are all things that, yes, there are things that would cause us to be to grieve. But have, are we wringing our hands saying, how are we going to make it? What are we going to do? Are you not worth more than birds? Are we not worth more than flowers? Is Jesus looking at us this morning? And based upon the faith that we're exercising, is he saying, well done? Or is he saying, oh ye of little faith? You know, James chapter 1, verse 2, James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Wow, I've really got a lot of problems. Come on over to the house. I'm throwing a party. That's what James said. Count it all joy. I'm going to have a party. Come on. No, he's not saying be happy because you have problems, brethren. He's saying that we, because we have faith, we know that faith is the assurance. We know that we have a Father in heaven who cares about us And no matter what it is that we're dealing with, that he's powerful enough and he cares enough not to take it away necessarily, but to help us deal with it. I go to Guyana, South America. I have been going for the last 15, 16 years. 
And I recall one time in a church service, we were meeting under a tent with people who are living, some of them just in the, in the jungle, some of them living in shacks, some of them living in tents. Most of them walk for transportation. Some of them have bicycles. One young man was riding his bike seven miles one way every day to attend the, the classes that we were having. But I remember an elderly man getting up and praying one day. He says, Father, we don't ask you to take our problems away. We don't ask you to give us riches. We just ask you to continue to give us the strength to deal with whatever it is that we're going through. And we thank you for that strength. Let me tell you, I was like a dagger in my heart. <clears throat> Sit there and listen to this man who I knew I had more <clears throat> in value in the car that I drove back home than he had in, in his entire livelihood. And he could stand there and say a prayer like that. Lord, Help my unbelief. Thank you for your attention. Let's have a word of prayer before we're dismissed. We've got a couple of minutes before the next bell rings. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time of study. Thank you for the lesson that Tim has brought us. We pray your blessings upon us as we seek to increase our faith through your study and reading. Pray, Father, that 